All right, I might add, thanks Eric for getting the kids out. Um, don't forget, don't forget your sticker. Did you say, did you say that? I should, I should have, I just expressed lack of confidence in you, didn't I? Sorry. Anyway, hey, it's good to see you this morning. Uh, man, it's, it's always good. Uh, and, and we love, we love the man of faith in his family to be able to baptize his children. And, uh, uh, he's, he's the main discipler of that family, right? And he is going to help lead him into that life of Christ and, and so and already has been. So I, I appreciate so much the faith and, and uh, the love that Nate or Nick, Nick has with, uh, uh, for Jesus and for his devotion to God. And I, pray, I praise God for that family. And now to see Lincoln, Lincoln following in, in parents' footsteps. That, that's always a lot of fun. We're going to pray before I get into our passage today, because there's no better way to begin any sermon, right? Let's, let's turn to him, and let's begin that way. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you, Lord, especially for your word today. Uh, you didn't leave us to guess. You didn't leave us to, to wonder about what's going on in this world. Lord, you laid out your word, your expectations. Lord, uh, we, we know your attributes, we know your holiness, we know your patience, because you've had it all recorded for us to have in our hands. And Lord, we, we are so dependent upon it this morning, it's what we want to lead us into our thinking, Lord, into the challenges we have for our own lives. As we come, even individually, Lord, uh, may the Spirit be working upon each of our lives, uh, stretching us, Lord, calling us. Uh, directing us as to how we ought to live and be about your work in this world. Uh, God, again, we love you. We love you and, and praise you always for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, in the past couple of weeks, or actually past few weeks, we've been on the same focused pack passages or story, I should say. And it's within the contents of Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. Uh, the passage we're looking at today actually wraps up that story in chapter 4. So if you want to turn there, Acts chapter 4, uh, here, here's just kind of a review over what we've been through in chapter 3 uh, and now chapter 4. Uh, it, it is that story where Peter and John were going into the temple to pray that afternoon, uh, one afternoon, and healed a man that was lame by the gate. He was there begging for alms, and they healed this man. Uh, who, who was known by the community of believers who came to the temple on a regular basis. He was always there. And so when he was healed, they saw that, that he, he was able to not, not just crouched and sitting and begging for alms. He was jumping around. Uh, it, it wasn't just that he was walking around. He was jumping around and praising God. And he was there with Peter and John. And, and just like in the... Uh, uh, second chapter, when Pentecost took place, it was a miracle that caught everybody's attention. Uh, on, on the day of Pentecost, it was, it was those uh, people who were speaking in other languages, those simple Galileans speaking in other languages. This, in chapter 3, it was this lame man. And, and people were wondering and asking, what is going on? How did this happen? 
So in their wondering, this, this created this great opportunity for Peter, who takes advantage of that opportunity, to speak to the people. And he preaches Jesus. He preaches Jesus. And, and it really has, uh, we could break it down into very simple words. Hey, G, this is about Jesus, whom you killed, and God who raised him up, and we're eyewitnesses of that. That's, that's a, a main part of his, his sermon, although there's probably a lot more words that Peter expresses. What we have written down, uh, he, he then identifies that it is because of Jesus that this man is healed. Verse 16 of chapter 3, his name, by faith in Jesus' name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Uh, so, so he answered their question, and then he had the opportunity in each instance to say, you need to repent. You need to repent of your sinfulness and begin to follow after Jesus. We know in chapter 4, uh, verse 4, it said that on that day, 5,000 people came to believe and follow Jesus. Wow. Wow, the momentum of the church. We're seeing it here in the, few, in the first few chapters of Acts. The momentum is, is amazing. After that day of Pentecost, uh, by now count, uh, if we were to include the number of women, because that, that 5,000 in chapter 4, verse 4, says it was only the men were counted, five, about 5,000 men. Now, if there were women included... It is possible to be over 10,000 people who are believing in Jesus and following after him uh, after these two sermons we see in chapter 2 and chapter 3. So the momentum is just, uh, just, just flying. But along with that, we see in chapter 4 the first occurrence of opposition, which opposition has always been, Right? But now we see the first recorded opposition against the church. Because in chapter 4, it says that the Sanhedrin, or actually uh, it, it was, you know, the Sanhedrin would be the religious leaders. The Sadducees specifically arrested Peter and John, put them in prison overnight uh, for them to be questioned the next day, the next morning. And so in chapter 4, Chapter 4, we see that happening. They're brought before the Sanhedrin, uh, the, the chief priest and the elders, uh, where they question them. And, and after, after the discussion, uh, after the deliberation, their great conclusion was this, you guys just need to stop it. Actually, the thing they need to stop is you don't need to talk about Jesus anymore. Do not talk. Do not teach about Jesus. And then it says they, they further threatened him, and then they released him. And that's where we are today. We're picking up in verse 23. What, we're going to look at what, what took place after Peter and John were released from these religious leaders. Where'd they go? What did they do? Beginning in verse 23, follow along with me if you would. 23 says, when they were released... They went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? 
The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. There he's quoting Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Verse 27 continues. He says, For truly in this city there were gathered together, together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Uh, as we see, you know, Peter and John leave uh, the Sanhedrin, these religious leaders, the opposition. And, and uh, after they, well, they left after they were threatened. And, and what we see happening in our text today is they get recharged. Or they, they are charged. They are challenged. They, they, encouragement is coming uh, in, in the conversations that, that they're about to hold here. Um, what they need is continued encouragement. What they need is actually to be to have courage, to have courage to continue uh, spreading this gospel. And that's a message you and I need to hear today. It, to, to say that the church, every church, any, every, every Bible-believing uh, Christian, uh, those in, in Jesus Christ needs to hear, take courage and take my message to the lost. It, it, isn't that something the church needs to hear today? Take my message, take this gospel message to the lost, and we need courage to do that. I want us to follow along with what we could glean from this passage to give us encouragement and to strengthen our courage to act upon what we're called to do as a body of believers. The first point is this, the threat is real. The threat is real. To say that there is opposition in the world, we've already emphasized that but, but here what we see is that Peter and John had, you know, after a face-to-face -face confrontation uh, with the religious leaders. I want to go back and picture that again. They, they stood before the Sanhedrin. It was several weeks back, over seven weeks ago, that Jesus stood in that place of condemnation. Or, or actually interrogation, and then he was condemned, Right? You remember that on the day, on, on that evening when he was arrested, he was brought before this group, more than likely in the same, very same place. And, and he was being condemned for what? For, for, for being God or claiming to be God, okay? No, no, oh, he's totally guilty there, right? Absolutely guilty because he was God. But anyway, so Jesus stood in the same place. Do you think that might have entered Peter and John's mind that Here's where Jesus stood in this interrogation and, and uh, uh, was condemned. Probably amongst, we know is amongst many of the same people. Ananias and Sapphira were named in, in this chapter 4 as being a part of that. So, so here they are. The threat is real. And, and matter of fact, uh, in verse 21 it says, 
they, it doesn't give details of what the threat specifically was. It, didn't go, it just says that they threatened them further. We do know in chapter 5 that they were arrested again and brought before the same group where they were a little ticked, needless to say. And, and after more deliberation, this time, instead of just warning them again, this time it says that these men were beaten for what they had done. For, for going out and proclaiming, how dare they go out and proclaim Jesus again? So very much so, uh, you would think that at least part of their threatening must have said, hey, you, you do this again, you're going to be beaten. Now we do know if we continue through Acts, we're going to see a lot more persecution, and it's going to involve more than just beatings and imprisonment. It's going to include stoning, and it's going to include a lot of martyrs to follow, a lot of people dying within this persecution. So it is real. And this threat is real today. We know that, don't we? That the, the same threat that there is opposition that stand against believers in this world continues on. Uh, across the world, there are still imprisonments. There are beatings. There are executions of believers all over. I, I don't believe that we've experienced to that extent here in America. I do see a growing uh, a, a growing possibility for persecution uh, to be coming our direction. Uh, but, but right now, and, and matter of fact, I have had conversations with some in their workplaces sharing that there would be certain consequences if they were to dare share your faith. Whether you're a student or, or whether you are in a workplace, you might have heard certain policies that don't allow you to share your faith. Um, when I did some reading this week, fear, which we could absolutely guess, fear is the number one reason many don't share their faith today. Uh, there was a poll taken by the group who, who did the, the Jesus Film Project, evangelistic group. In 2020, there was an article written uh, concerning the poll. Their findings after questioning 1,600 uh, Christians with the question asked, you know, why is it you don't share your faith? What's the reason you don't share your faith? And, and the, the largest answer, the, the highest percentage of answer was just plain fear. Fear. Some, some laid out some specifics about that. Some feared rejection. You know what rejection, right? I mean, the possibility, if I'm sharing with friends... It's a possibility I might lose friends. Or uh, people in the neighborhood, I might be shunned in my neighborhood. Or at school, uh, might even be, uh, you know, that rejection there amongst my peers or in the workplace. Um, another fear is a fear of hostility. A fear of hostility. Or, you know, a, a couple other that I still think is connected to that idea of fear. One group or, or a percentage, another rather large percentage, says not finding opportunity, just not seeing the opportunity to share faith. In some ways, I do wonder if it is connected with that fear. Why aren't you looking for opportunity? You know, sometimes we just aren't planning, praying, and, and, and even looking for those opportunities. And, and one other was being unequipped. Just I just don't feel prepared. I just don't know what to say when it comes to sharing my faith in Jesus. And one of that, it, I mean, part of that might be the fear of if you ask me questions, will I know the answers? 
I, I know and I've memorized the, the little track that I could share, but what if they start asking questions? I just don't know enough. I always say, if, if you've received Christ and you came to that place of repentance, that you have something to share. It's happened in your own life, right? That the, the absolute opportunity to share what God's been doing in your life and, and how you came to know Jesus is, is a great beginning place. Any of us could share our faith um, about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. There, there, is, um, uh, there is just this lack of courage amongst us. And I will, I will absolutely be honest with you, I'm familiar with a lack of courage. There's numerous times where I've had opportunity that I've found a reason not to do it. And I repent before God because, uh, man, I, we need to take those times, those opportunities. One, one thing that is an encouragement that I, I found is, is that simple thing is God is not asking you to save anybody. It's, it's not our job to save anybody. Did you know? It's not that. You might think that in, in, in what it, Jesus told in the Great Commission, hey, go into all the world making disciples of all nations, baptizing them. You know, that's your job. But amongst other things, Jesus told the parable of casting seed, but especially what Paul's, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, when he's talking about people who are divided over, oh, I'm, I'm of Paul or I'm of Apollos, uh, here's what John, I mean, uh, Paul said in verses 6 and 7. He said, I planted. It's that idea, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God gave the, the growth. So no, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Uh, we, we need to understand that the one who does the saving and, and who's done, laid out all the plan, God is, is very much involved. We have a responsibility to tell the story. That's casting seed. That's telling people about Jesus. That's sharing your faith. I, I know this, this lifestyle evangelism, which I read a book about. It. It's just all about, I just live a right life. Matter of fact, in the scriptures it says, uh, you know, live such good lives amongst the pagans. And it's, it's for that reason. But, but we can live great lives, do good things, and if we fail to spread the seed, you know, what use is it? Uh, we, we need to tell people, share with people about that message of Jesus Christ. How can we increase our courage? You know, part of that is knowing that, hey, God's working. I just need to pass it. But how can we, how can we gain more courage the second point leads us in that. Here's watching, watching what Peter and John did after they left the Sanhedrin. You know, they received this threat. What did they do? They went to their friends. We find help in our friends. We, we find help in our friends. And simply to say, which I've said numerous times, is the significance of being a part of a body of believers. Again, we're looking at the church. Where did the church receive strength? The church received strength as they came together. Chapter 2, what did they do? Oh, man, they poured over the apostles' teaching. They, they uh, dedicated themselves, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to prayer. Those, those are significant. That wasn't just, boy, we just love being together. It, that's, that's great, but there's a reason 
that we're drawn together. There's a, a significance of, of what this, this community uh, means to us. It means strength. It means strength. When we begin to look forward and look into a world of lost souls, how are we going to reach them? How, how are we going to keep up the strength? How are we going to keep up and, and find the courage to do so? We need each other. We need each other. And we need to go in that right direction. Um, after standing before the Sanhedrin, Peter and John went and you know they, they shared their faith with their friends. And it wasn't the entire church. It, it, it said to their friends. So it was a, it was a smaller group. Probably those, those apostles, right? Uh, uh, more than likely it was those guys that they'd been spending a lot of time building relationship with and, and they were connecting with. So they wanted to go and do what? Share the story. Share what had happened. What, you know, they, they probably knew up in time that they were taken into prison. They didn't go in before the council. They said, what did they say? You know, that's what was being asked. What is it they said? And, and how did you respond? And, and, you know, tell us everything. Could you imagine? And so they were laying the whole thing out before them. Why is this so important to us? I, I find significance in what Jesus said in John 14, verse 12. It's significant about the church. It's significant about you and I being connected to Jesus. Because he said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Wow. <laughs> you know what Jesus did, right? And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Well, does that mean I'm going to walk on water? Does that mean I'm going to calm the storm? Or, or heal the lame? No, no. What, why, what was the very purpose that Jesus announced and said, this is why I've come? Seek and to save the lost. That's why he came. That's why he came is to seek and to save those who are lost, who are disconnected from the Father. He came to build a relationship, to restore a relationship, a natural relationship, creator with a creator, created. He came to restore a relationship uh, with, with us who are lost and sinful. He, he healed those relationships. He said that. Now, so, so what does it mean? That, that we're going to be able to do greater things. Well, part of the answer is there within the verse where, he, where Jesus says, because I'm going to the Father. You're going to do greater things because I'm going to the Father. He's going to accomplish what he came for upon the cross, and then he's going to ascend into heaven. But, and, and therefore, he's, he's not going to be here. Therefore, those who's left behind who are going to follow after him are going to carry on the task of seeking and saving the lost it's our task it's what he's given us to do is to spread a message that is precious and and life-giving to, to to the rest of the world now the second there's there's also something else that jesus said in here that that is an indication of what you know how we're going to be able to do greater things again is that coming of the spirit john 14 speaks about it. john 15 uh, talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit, who indwells us, who strengthens us, who guides us. One thing is it speaks about how he's going to guide us and what we, what we say. That's why we want you to know the scriptures. That's why we want you to know the story, to, to have it ready and prepared to be able to share uh, through the Spirit's assistance. Uh, 
But, but also that idea that, that we all share the same spirit. There's not many spirits. There's one spirit that if you're in Christ, we are identifying with. You see how special that is? And, and when Peter and John got together with their close associates, and they began to share uh, that, that, man, the encouragement was there because they served the same Savior and they had the same spirit. Whenever we gather together, we share the same Holy Spirit, one spirit, and we identify with him, and we're called to the same, same purpose. That, it leads to, to, you know, what do they do next? Uh, where do we get our greatest encouragement? really comes to, from, from looking to God and depending upon God for the courage or the boldness that we need. The third point is this, strength and courage comes through trusting God. Strength and courage absolutely comes from our trusting God. What they did when they came together and after the reporting of here's what's happened, here's what was said, that what did they do? They went together before God in prayer. They, they, they began to pray. And, and in that prayer, they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Is there any encouragement in the way they just addressed God? What does it mean, sovereign? He rules. He's in control. And, and guess what? We're working for him. There, there's an encouragement knowing that our God is the one and only God, and, and, and it's all his. And we're following him. Matter of fact, as they, they went to this passage of Scripture, and it's real interesting to look and see why they chose Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You read that passage. Well, let me read it for you again. Here's that passage, Psalm 2, 1 and 2. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. And then in 27, uh, 26 and 27, or no, 27 and 28, excuse me, uh, what, it kind of defines why they went there. They acknowledged that God handed Jesus over both to the Jews and Gentiles. Uh, it's what Peter said, you know, you killed him. It, it was not just the Jews. There was Gentiles involved. You got them to, to do it for you in order to kill Jesus. And, and, and there's... Absolutely, what they're identifying now and, and seeing that because Jesus faced such opposition, the church as well is going to face opposition. And guess what? It was all under God's uh, foreknowledge. It was, it, was what, it was part of his big plan. It, it's what he's laid out. It's not a mistake that there was opposition and difficulties. God, a holy God, is entering in this world and saving the lost people. He had to enter into it. And guess what? The only means of doing that was to kill his son. Hardship. And now the church has entered in this place to take the message of Jesus out to the, the, the lost. Can we, can we expect anything else but hardship and troubles because of it? Oh, Jesus made it very clear that troubles are going to come. What they see when they're praying this, this psalm, chapter 2, 1 and 2, what they're seeing is they see their place in God's history. They, they see their place working along with God in his story. 
You know, just as Jesus, this is the message we're proclaiming. This is what's happened, and this is what's happening now. The trouble they see, man, that was the foreknowledge. He, God knew this was going to happen. And, and they see themselves as they're praying, where they're playing that part, their role in God's plan, in his purpose. Is that a good place to be? Even though there's trouble? Uh, you know, I said, boy, that's not comfortable, though. You know, obviously, no one wants to answer that because that's not comfortable at all. Oh, man, we like to be comfortable. We like to be comfortable. Man, the church, we like to be comfortable at church. But the things we promote and the things that the Scripture calls us to, it's not comfortable. I'll just, let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. It's not comfortable. But it is absolutely glorious. There's, there's nothing better than being able to direct someone to come to know Jesus. There, there is no greater glorious way to use your time than when someone that you're talking to begins to show you, man, tell me more. Say that. Wow. And, and, and listen, as, as we see this, there is scripture that we could look to that, that when we gather together to pray, we could quote and say, hey, this is us. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared forehand uh, that we should walk in them. He, he didn't, now again, he didn't send Jesus just so we could be saved. It, it, we're to reproduce, continue spreading that message that others will come to know him. I'd love to see, you know, more of our children coming to know Jesus because you, they're coming out of households of faith, right? We've seen a couple of them here just recently. Praise God for that. The, the faith ought to be coming from mom and dad and, and growing there. And there, we have kids on, on Sunday night that are coming here. Matthew's having just a good number of teens are coming to the youth meeting. They have an opportunity to come to know Jesus. Uh, it, it's not just about the households of faith. There's there's that place that maybe we get to introduce Jesus into a family line and, and begin within a, a family that, that all those who, who, who come later on will come to know Jesus. Do, do you not know the great need that's around us? There's people in our community. Shoot, there's people that you work next to. There's people in the neighborhood with you. There are people that go to school with you. There's people that, that, that you love that are going to hell. There's people who we know around us, good people, loving people that are going to hell. And Jesus wants us to just share his story, give them opportunity. How are we doing? I, I do believe that this, this poll that was taken reflects this congregation. It reflects us. It reflects me. I've allowed fear to sometime get in the way. That's why, you know, we look at their request, uh, especially focus on these two verses, verse 29 and verse 30. Verse 29, 30. Here, uh, Peter and Paul lay out uh, or, or the group that's gathered, I should say, lay out their request. And, and 29, 
And he says, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Help us be courageous. Help us to be bold in the spreading of this gospel message. Help us not to clam up, but to speak up. That, in the face of the threats, Lord, help that, help that not to be a deterrent to us. You know, matter of fact, I should say this, that that is out of our control. What the world does with our message, it is out of our control. We don't like that place, do we? We don't like to be in situations that's out of our control, but we have that opportunity to spread. What we do have control of is, is, is to be able to be bold and to take that message and to speak that message. Therefore, man, we as a congregation ought to be praying about that. Matter of fact, Wednesday night is, is done. Wednesday night, you know, our adult class in Saturday, we, take, we start taking a break in May because May is a busy time. Here it comes. But uh, uh, I, I, just, I just encourage you. I, I'm going I'm to be asking some individuals, some, some people I'm close to, if, if they would come and be. So it won't just be me. There will be two or three others. Uh, I'm just going to use that time, 630. Maybe I'll be inviting different people each time to be here on Wednesday night, 630, and, and we'll, we'll go to the chapel. Wouldn't it be terrible if we had more people that, that would just overfill the chapel? We'll have to come in here to pray. I, in all seriousness, many of you are concerned about the way our society looks right now. And I would just tell you, it's, it's just an evidence of sinfulness. It's just the evidence and the expectation uh, that, that happens when people continue to live in their sinfulness. I encourage you to use 6.30 on Wednesday night, beginning May, and we'll go through the summer months. Uh, if you're able, you, I know you won't be able to make all of them, but come and pray with me and, and some others on Wednesday night, 6.30. We might open the scriptures, hey, how do we pray this? And maybe we'll discuss how we as a church ought to be more involved in prayer. If we're not praying, what are we doing? If you're not praying... What are you doing? And you belong to Jesus? If you're not praying for the lost around you, if you're not praying for them, what are we doing? We need to pray for that boldness. Uh, second, there, there's another request that comes along with this. Should we throw this out? I don't know. Let's read it. Uh, verse 30 says, "While you, Okay, with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Ah, oh, well, the, you know, that's, that's not happening today. So let's just stick to the boldness, right? Let's not pray for any of that signs and wonders stuff because, you know, that was, that was the book of Acts. I think there is a place where we pray that. I, and it's absolutely because God wants to be involved in this, this action of salvation. You th Man, I wanted in my heart, God impassion me for the lost because I know it's in his heart. He's called us to do it. He wants the, those who need to repent, he wants them to come to repentance. And, and therefore, hey, let's pray, God be involved. You know, what, what he did with the miracles in those, these first two sermons was catch people's attention. God, catch their attention. Uh, the way I've always prayed is open a door, open a window, allow you know that opportunity to, to just present itself lord catch their attention and he's busy he's working you know if, if you're praying 
uh, and you make that a consistent prayer, you're going to begin seeing opportunities where you could share the face, faith. But because of fear, I'm afraid we're not even praying about those things. If we're not praying about those things, that's a real concern for what we're doing as a church. We need to be praying for the lost and praying for us to be actively involved. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's, it's so easy to ignore. But the, the fact that God is involved, what encouragement do you need? <laughs> God wants to be involved in winning souls. He wants you to be involved in spreading that message so that people will come to know Jesus. Verse 31 don't want to leave out verse 31. 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. We don't know whether it was, you know, was it an earthquake? Was it just a house? Uh, in, in some ways, I, the, the, the ones that I, I thought most of it was, is more like a reminder of that experience on that day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. I mean, it's, it's a reminder to them, Holy Spirit is here. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Talk about, you know, just kind of like the shot in the arm, the encouragement. Matter of fact, the next time that they're actually beaten, they begin celebrating after the beatings. <laughs> they, they began celebrating right after it, ta- it had taken place. What, what would it change this congregation if we just became absolutely bold in spreading the gospel? Absolutely bold in spreading the gospel. I love that idea in growing a church. You know what I mean? Brand new converts who are just getting used and they had to be taught and, you know, and, and brought into Christ. I love, love that idea. Right now, uh, a lot of times it's because people move into the community or, or things. We have believers who come and visit churches or maybe they're disgruntled with one church. So they come to, what a great way to build a, you know, so what we need is better youth programs and we need to do neater and, and faster things. We need to, to get the worship leader to cut his beard off and, and all kinds of neat things, you know. <laughs> No, I'm teasing. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we just need to sharpen it so, so that those Christians will be more attracted to come and see us. Oh, good. I'm glad you booed that. <laughs> the, the means by which the church grows is the spread of the gospel. The means by which the church grows is by us spreading the gospel. We need courage. We need to be bold and take the gospel out. And, and it's going to take prayer. I invite you again for Wednesday night. Come and join me. Well, that'll be our focus. There's other things to be praying about. I think I love the idea of just having a prayer meeting and, and scripture being available. And we're here. You don't have to be here for every one. If you miss one, you're not missing anything. You missed that time to pray. Pray. So come and join us Wednesday night, 630. It'll be in the chapel again. Uh, you know, we need to grow, and, and uh, Lord, we're missing out on something if we're not sharing our faith. There is a joy and a thrill when you sit down with someone who's just hungry and ready to hear Jesus, and, and you, need to, you need to experience that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for this day. We praise you, Lord, for, for Jesus and the message that we have, the message we embrace every Sunday. 
the encouragement of knowing that, Lord, through your patience and through your mighty works, you sent Jesus to be that representative of our sins upon that, that cross, that he suffered and he died for our sinfulness. Lord, we're going to celebrate that here in just a moment. But we praise you for Jesus. We thank you uh, for the message that we have. And Lord, we pray for the lost that's outside these doors that, that, that are using their Sundays for, for other things. Uh, we pray, Lord, that they, they have that opportunity. Maybe, maybe we're ro- rubbing shoulders with many of those who, who you want to know and, and, uh, and who, who you want us to spread that gospel to. Help us, Lord, to be aware to be attentive to those opportunities. And then, Lord, just to be able to speak and share our faith. God, you're good to us. We're here as evidence of Jesus and his resurrection. And we give you praise for the message we have today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.